Welcome back to the Brothers in Christ podcast. Thank you for listening today. Before we get started, if you'd like to listen to the podcast online, you can access it at brothersinchrist.buzzsprout.com. So without further ado, let's get into judges. Judges 1. Let's go. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, Who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my allotted territory and let's fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah attacked. The Lord handed the the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai, Bezek, and Bezek fought against him and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai, Bezek fled, they pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai, Bezek said 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I have done. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword, and set the city on fire. Afterward, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev and the Judean foothills. Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. They struck down Sheshai, Ammon, and Talmai. From there, they marched against the residents of Deber. Caleb said, Whoever attacks and captures Kirith Sefer, I will give my daughter Aksa to him as a wife. So Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, captured it, and Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him as his wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked, What do you want? She answered him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land in Negev. Give me springs also. So Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, had gone up with the men of Judah to the city of Palms, to the wilderness of Judah, which was in the Negev of Arad. They went to live among the people. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zephath, and completely destroyed the towns. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza and its territory, Ashkelon and its territory, and Ekron and its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the people who were who were living in the plain because those people had iron chariots. Judah gave Hebron to Caleb, just as Mo- Moses had promised. Then Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak who lived there. All right, that was quite a long reading to get us started but that's kind of how judges is (laughs) all right i think before we go any farther we should uh talk about a little bit of backstory and so going back to noah jude can you read uh genesis 9 18 the sons of noah who went forth from the ark were shem ham and japheth ham was the father of canaan These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. 
he drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it both on their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And so, here is where the Canaanites come from. It's uh, Ham's son, so Noah's grandson, Ham's son, and Canaan was cursed to uh, be a servant to his brothers. But I don't think ever that Canaanites become enslaved to the Israelites like the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians, right? Never fully, no. I mean, there were some like little cases, I think, but never like in Egypt. But I think the way that they did serve the Israelites was when the Israelites came to the promised land, it was already like cities had already been built. The land had already been farmed. So, like, God could have just left the promised land empty until the Israelites took it. But then there'd be, like, generations of building up, like, cities and growing farms on the land. Um, But I think one of the ways that the Canaanites served the Israelites was by preparing the promised land for them. Interesting thought. And, however... As they're living in the land, the, the Israelites just grow more and more corrupt in worshiping idols, and child sacrifice was one of the big things of the Canaanites, and just their overall moral corruption. And, and so, in several places, I think, throughout the first five books of the Bible, in like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I think, God tells the Israelites multiple times that when they are to get to Canaan, they are to completely wipe out the Canaanites. Because of this moral corruption and evil that the Canaanites are have fallen into. And also a part of that is that God doesn't want his people, the Israelites, to be corrupted by that same moral corruption that the Canaanites f- fell into. And so God tells them, God tells the Israelites to completely destroy the Canaanites, partly out of judgment and partly out of grace for his people to keep them from falling into sin. For sure, and going back to uh, the Canaanites preparing the land, I had another thought that, like, we are usually a pretty faithless people, and, like, we'll pray to God for him to work good through circumstances, and sometimes when we don't see it, we, I guess, lose a little bit, or, I don't know. We don't always see uh, God fulfilling prayers or like making circumstances work for good in our lifetime and this is kind of like with the curse of ham the israelites didn't make it to their promised land for a very long time and it's not until joshua and judges where they start to um like receive god's promise to them so like we're lucky if we get to see uh god's promises and goodness fulfilled to us but like it could not even happen in our lifetime Mm-hmm. And just a note on that real quick, it really was 
because of the Israelites' unfaithfulness that a whole generation of them, the generation that came up out of Egypt, wasn't able to see the promised land because when they sent the 12 spies into Canaan, 10 of them came back and were like, we can't conquer these people, they're way too strong. And so the Israelites were filled with fear and that like destroyed their faith in God. And so God left them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. For sure. And I guess we'll get into the text now. <laughs> so when this story, I mean, what a crazy way to begin judges with uh, the Adonai Bezek and they destroy his town and then he flees. They pursue him. They catch him and then they cut off his thumbs and big toes. Like when I first read that, I was like, what? Like what's going on? Why not just like kill him or something? I, I don't know. But I guess thinking about it a little bit, like, it, it is having mercy in some way because they're not taking his life and they're sparing him. But at the same time, like, if you don't have thumbs, you can't really fight, like, with a sword or without big toes, you can't really run away. So I feel like it's kind of like handicapping him, like, taking him out. He's not a threat anymore, but he's still alive in some way. But I really like how he says, yeah, I did this to 70 kings and I've been repaid. I feel like he understands that this is what he deserves and he's thankful that he didn't get killed. But yeah, <laughs> that was just that's kind of funny, I thought. Um, then going down to the uh, Othniel story. So right here in Judges 1, we get introduced to Othniel who will become the first judge. He isn't a judge yet, though. But he get he conquers the city, and then he gets to marry Caleb's daughter. Um, and then uh, the, there's this story of Caleb's daughter, who's now his wife, goes to Caleb and like asks for uh, land and springs um, instead of Othniel. Like in this time period, I think it would have been been the man's duty to do that kind of stuff to request land and stuff but what it's almost like this story was a warning of what's to come in the rest of judges that already in chapter one we can see men who are not stepping up to lead in the way that they should be and it's almost like oh doom's coming it's on the horizon and yeah that's like the whole point of these first few chapters of judges is to demonstrate like uh oh this isn't good something's something bad's going to happen to the Israelites. And I think a little bit of that is going back to verse 1 where it says, after the death of Joshua, I'd like to point out that it's not entirely, but a little bit, kind of a leadership issue. Like Throughout the book of Judges, we see that when the Israelites have a godly leader, they serve the Lord. And when they don't have a godly leader, they don't. And God, they serve other gods and God hands them over to the kingdoms around them. So I think it's a little bit of that as well, like lack of a strong godly leader. Maybe not entirely, but it is a little bit of that, I think. And also, like, pretty much right away, I think we see a little bit of distrust in God. Like when the Lord says Judah will go up to conquer the Canaanites, uh, Judah was like, okay, well, can I take Simeon with me? And so I think that demonstrates a little bit of mistrust in God. And we'll see that things like this have disastrous consequences later on in the book of Judges. 
I mean, yeah, definitely not as bad as what we see later, even in this chapter, though. So I guess let's keep reading. Uh, Verse 21. At the same time, the Benjamites do not drive out the Jebusites who are living in Jerusalem. The Jebusites have lived among the Benjamites in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel. The spies saw a man coming out of the town and said to him, Please show us how to get into the town, and we will show you kindness. When they showed them the way into the town, they put the town to the sword, but released the man and his entire family. Then the man went to the land of Hittites, built a town named Luz. That is its name still today. Here's one of those uh, unfaithful stories that we were just talking about. So the house of Joseph, which would be the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, go to attack Bethel. And they see this man coming out of the city and they're like, hey, uh, we'll spare you and uh, your family if you just tell us how to get in and destroy the city, which he does. And so they destroy the city. But now there's this family of Gentiles who was were not killed. And what did they do? They settled down and built a whole new town, like, in Israel's territory. And that's that was showing a, a lot of unfaithfulness to God um, without driving them out. And also, if you flip ahead to Judges 2, verse 2, it says, You are not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You are to tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What have you done? And obviously right here, they made a covenant with the family. That family went and built a town, and now they're going to have problems because they were unfaithful to God. Yeah, but also, I don't think the land of the Hittites is really within the boundaries of Canaan. I think it was more like modern-day Turkey-ish, like more northern. But yeah, your point is right. Like We get these little sentences like, but the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. and But they could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And we just keep on getting these sentences of like, they couldn't drive out such and such people. And we're like, but the Lord told them to. And well, I don't think this is turn going to turn out good. Uh-oh. Yeah, for sure. So... I guess let's finish the chapter, and then we can talk more about that. 27. At the time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Beth Sheen and Tanakh and their surrounding villages, or the residents of Dor, Iblam, or Megiddo, and their surrounding villages. The Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. When Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labor, but never drove them out completely. At the time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer, so the Canaanites have lived among them in Gezer. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahol, so the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Echo or of Sidon or Alab, Akzib, Helbib, Afik, or Rehob, the Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Neptali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anath 
They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath served as their forced labor. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go into the valley. The Amorites were determined to stay in Har Haris, Ajalon, and Shalbim. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were made to serve as forced labor. The territory of the Amorites extended from the Scorpion's ascent, that is, from Sela upward. And so here, I guess, we can see how some of the Canaanites became slaves, like was told by Noah. Um, but I don't think this was God's plan for the people. He wanted them to drive them out and get rid of them. And now you hear this phrase over and over and over again in this section. Failed to drive out. Failed to drive out. And that is, I think is just serving as a warning. Like God commanded them to drive out all the Canaanites. And they're failing to. And they're taking people as slaves. And those slaves will build families. And now there will be more Canaanites. But... I think this is signaling what what will happen to the Israelites in this book. It it's it's kind of a sad book cuz it's like a spiral, but it keeps going down and down and it gets worse and worse for the Israelites as they fall into more unfaithfulness and more sin and eventually it leads to some pretty bad circumstances. Yeah, and so it's just kind of interesting how throughout the chapter, this idea of the Israelites did not drive out the Canaanites just kind of escalates and escalates until you get to the tribe of Dan in the last couple of verses where they can't even take claim of their own land because the Amorites are too strong for them. People of Dan were supposed to drive out the Amorites, but instead like the Amorites are kind of driving out the people of Dan so I think it's kind of a parallel to how Israel's sin and apostasy will escalate throughout the book of Judges yeah for sure and I think how this can apply to us is the Israelites yeah they were lazy and they were not faithful to drive out all the inhabitants of the land and take it for themselves, which will cause greater problems down the road. And I think that can be true for us. Like, what sins do we compromise for? Like, oh, it's it's just this one time. Like, when are we lazy and fail to drive out the sins in our lives? And unfortunately, they're like the inhabitants, and they grow to be bigger problems, and then eventually it's way harder to deal with. So I guess we will end it here, but look for ways that you can uh, be faithful to God and drive out the the sin or unfaithfulness in your life in order to become more faithful and obedient to God. Um, so thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I hope in some way it was helpful for you. I mean, I know this is extremely helpful for me in my walk with Christ. So 
I hope that at least you could learn something and uh, hope that you'll listen again.